You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey, welcome one and all to the Pimpcron Warhammer Podcast, episode 144, brought to you by all my beautiful, excellent, well-fed, well-endowed Patreon patrons, and to GameAt.eu, which is equally well-endowed um, <laughs> for pre-painted terrain and game mats. Uh, I want to say right up front, so this is not some sort of bait-and-switch or clickbait, okay? The main topic of tonight is a joke. So before you think you're getting into this episode and you're like, oh man, I'm going to get to the, the bone of the issue. No, it's it's a joke. So you'll it'll become apparent when you start listening to it. But I don't want you to see the, the title of the show and then click on it thinking it's one thing and then find out that it's a joke. So just there's that. Tonight we're talking about the big old centaur bat lady for Soul Blight and whether or not we want that. We have a letter from Leroy Jenkins talking about last week's episode and my advice to Thomas. Uh, we also have a shout out to Sean for contacting us about the same topic of, about Thomas's advice I gave him. And also we have a real talk, which is the dirty secrets behind the wargaming industry. And once again, it's a joke, so calm down. What have I been up to? Well, I played a game this week. My friend David doesn't get to come to the gaming club very often because of work. So he usually works Wednesday nights or something like that. And I think he sells drugs. And um, so we haven't played each other in months and months and months. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to play my Corn Bloodbound again because I painted all those models. And he's coming, so I'm going to play him one-on-one. Haven't done it in a while. He plays his Ogre Mall Tribes. And by the end of the game, unfortunately, I was arrested. Um, we, we really got into it and I was charged with assault, which is, I think going a little far, but I completely creamed his army and tabled him. So, uh, I think that is my very first win with Blades of Corn, and I had no idea, you know, normally the Ogre Mall tribes or whatever, they beat the crap out of me. Like most times I play them, I don't know if he always wins, but he, he beats me a lot. So, being that my Corn Bloodbound, I don't recall ever winning any games with them. Maybe one game. Uh, I usually lose my games with them. So, I decided, well, I'll take them again and just, you know, we'll have a fun game, whatever. And lo and behold, do you know how you kill Ogre Mall Tribes? Well, their save is generally a 4-up. Some of them are a 5-up. And they have a lot of wounds. So, all you have to do is just wound them a lot. <laughs> That's my professional strategy. And what I did with my corn bloodbound is I had my wrathmongers nearby to give everyone extra attacks within eight, eight inches. I had a blood secrator to give everyone attacks within twelve inch or sixteen inches, and it, we just went beast mode on him. And he he wasn't rolling particularly well to be honest, um, but we got our game done in an hour and a half. If that tells you anything about how rough that game was for him, and yeah, so that was that was pretty fun. We're not on speaking terms anymore, but it was pretty fun. Um, no, actually, I felt really bad. So we got done in an hour and a half, and I was like, hey, uh, why don't we say no monsters and no heroes? And, oh, because my Korgraths, my Korgraths put in work. That's another unit that usually just dies and falls over and pees itself. My Korgraths, as much as I love them, I own eight of them, and they're all painted. 
and I usually take them, and they usually kind of do uh, roughly nothing, but they whooped the butt of those ogres. They kicked them from one end of the table to the other, so that was that was pretty cool. Um, they finally had their moment to shine, and uh, so anyway, I said, look, let's play another small game. Let's play, you know, 800 points or whatever, and no heroes and no monsters. Let's just play troops and whatever. So we played a fun game, and we ended up tying 11 to 11, and that was a nice ending to the night, because if we would have ended on the first note, that's that's kind of puts a sour taste in his mouth, especially being that he doesn't get to play all the time. So I didn't really want to end like that. So I was we were both actually quite happy with an 11 to 11 tie. It was a close game, and uh, the only thing that even kept him from winning is that I was able to summon um two squad two five man squads of blood letters and I was using the blood tithe table and technically I was cheating because I asked them hey we said no heroes but if I summon anything I have to have a hero so I just picked one unit to be my my hero that they have to summon within and he was cool about it it was a friendly game so he probably would have won 13 to 10 or something like that uh 13 to 9 if I had not summoned those two five-man squads of blood letters. Now, they didn't do much, but they did um, cap some objectives and things like that. So it just kept me in the game because he had almost tabled me and I had killed most of his stuff. So it was pretty much a war of attrition. What else is new with me? Well, I feel really good that I got about two straight hours to work on the Brutality Supplement. It's been like two weeks since I've worked on it at all. Um... This is my busy season, so I've been really busy. So I have not had a whole lot of time, and I'm very tired when I come home. So that makes me feel better that I got a lot of stuff done on that. And, uh, oh, also, a YouTuber this morning reviewed Brutality, and unfortunately, there are dangers to having a stupid person review your product, apparently. Um, Now, all of this is going to be true. It might sound salty, but what do you do? Um... I have had bad reviews before, or people that say they don't like the game, or whatever, and that's fine. I mean, that game's not for everybody. And, but this guy, my problem with it is, is have you ever had anybody, like, say something about you that's not true? And then when you go, well, that's not true, that makes it sound like you're guilty, because you're denying it, but you're denying it because it's not true? So... Judging by the evidence of his video, he essentially gave Brutality like a 4 out of 10, roughly. I mean, he didn't actually do that, but more or less what he's saying is it's not his cup of tea and whatever. But a lot of the judgments he made was based off of the simplest form of the game. So I have three versions in the main rulebook. I have Beginner, which is literally just the melee support fast and ranged. You don't get any model traits, you don't get anything. No faction traits, no model abilities, nothing. And then I have intermediate, where you start introducing that stuff. And then I have advanced, which is the full rules. You get your faction traits, your command tokens, and all that stuff. All the synergies of strategy are in that. And he never even mentions upgrades. So I don't even think he saw the advanced rules or the full rules. And he never mentions faction traits, and he never mentions the customization of all your miniatures, and he doesn't... So he kind of just says the game's kind of bland, and that he doesn't care for it, and he likes other games better. And... But he even said, even at one point, uh, Just James pointed this out, that he says in his video, Oh, there's no point to charge. I don't see any benefit of charging in this game. 
And Just James said that he paused the screen while this guy was saying it. And in bold letters, you can read, when someone charges, they get plus one attack. Like, that that's the benefit to it. But he... Anyway. So, he gave it kind of a sour review, which unfortunately is going to ultimately impact how people see my game from his channel. And that kind of bothers me because he's not really looking at all the rules. He didn't even mention powers. He didn't mention the campaign mode. He didn't mention the AI charts. He didn't mention, I mean, and even his lore, the lore he gave wasn't quite on target. And when he said, oh, you can, you can bring miniatures from anything. He starts giving all these weird examples. Like, uh, I don't remember exactly what he said, so I'll make it up. But he's like, oh, you can make us warband of gummy bears and stuff like the rubber duckies or something. He gives like some really off the wall, stupid advice. Or, or, you know, like, those are the possibilities for this game. And it completely did not fit uh, the theme of the game. And speaking of the theme of the game, uh, he says the game mechanics don't match with the lore. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Number one, the campaign mode goes completely... It coincides completely with the way the lore is, where you die and you come back and you gain insanity. All that's 100% like that. Also, people are easily killed in this game, which is quite brutal. And that's the game can be very brutal, which completely goes in line with it. And I mean, he 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 touched on maybe a quarter of what's in the book and then kind of panned it and said it wasn't. I mean, the only major criticism he gave that actually had some merit to it is he doesn't like how you roll high for shooting but then fighting in melee is a fight skill. I've heard that complaint a couple times, and that's a valid... If that's not your wheelhouse, that's no big deal. Um, I'm not even upset that he didn't like the game. I just feel like he will be influencing people and giving them a bad taste in their mouth over the game when that's not all the... That's not all of the, uh, the information. I'm going to read only chapter 5 of a novel, and then I'm going to give you my opinion of that novel. Would that make a good review? Not really. So uh, I'm pretty disappointed in that. Um, luckily, there's um, uh, some people taking up for me in the comments because I feel too bad about saying anything myself on the YouTube. So um, anyway, it's just it's kind of disappointing when someone reviews your thing. And if he knew all the rules and still didn't like the game, well, that's that's just fine. I mean, that's that's his opinion then. But when you don't read all the rules, you make all these bad assumptions, and then that affects other people's opinion of the game, well, that's that's kind of when I have a problem with it. But, I mean, there's nothing I can do. I'm not going to contact him or say anything to him, but it is pretty disappointing to, uh, to know that he's affecting people. Now, we have had roughly a dozen people join the Facebook group for the free rules, so and I don't know how many sales I've made today on the website. So, I mean, it's not all bad publicity, but it's still just... Eh, I don't know. It, it does kind of disappoint you. But what do you do? So on a lighter note, do you know what I've done? I bought TJ's Ossiarch Bone Reapers for Age of Sigmar. And I decided to make a Skeletor-themed Ossiarch Bone Reaper army. And the first thing I did was kitbash a Skeletor, a Skeletor, Skeletor to be my Archon the Black. And he's going to be the leader of the army. I'm going to eventually kitbash another Skeletor 
and have him standing on Catacross's podium with all of his servants around him, and I'm going to take Catacross off. So um, that's going to be pretty cool. I'll be able to use Catacross in, I don't know, Brutality or something. But anyway, it's um I'm pretty excited about this, and my Skeletor is almost 100%. Like, he is, he is such a good kit bash made from eight different parts from eight different models. I'm just thrilled with him, so... Um, Anyway, I think that's about it for this week, so let's get on with the show, and uh, sorry if I got a little saltier of that review. Like I said, it's not because he didn't like the game, it's because he didn't know the whole game and then said he didn't like it. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Hey, we've got a letter in the Tesseract mailbox, and it's at pimpcron at gmail.com, and it's from our old boy... Leroy Jenkins. He writes, Hey Pim, that last episode was great. Awesome advice for Thomas. As a person who frequently takes months or years off from the game, I always end up coming back in the end. You have some great points on psychic powers and stratagems. The pool of dice was god-awful, and currently mortal wounds feel like a cop-out. Sure, you need to position your psyker, but it doesn't really add any flavor to the game. Orcs do have their teleport power. Can't really argue with that one. I'm going to stop right there for a minute and comment that yes, I agree I feel like the Eldar have some really neat powers. There's a couple Orc ones, or at least one, that's pretty cool. And Grey Knights have some pretty cool powers. Um, Not all of them are just mortal wounds, but yeah, I mostly agree that most of them are kind of a cop-out. But there are a couple gems in the rough. He writes... Stratagems are mostly fun, with a downside that they create a lot of gotcha moments. Not only do you need to know what a unit does, you need to know all the stratagems that can be used on it. But can you imagine playing without stratagems? Alright, I'm going to pause that one more time and go, Yes. Yes, Leroy, I can imagine playing without stratagems. Matter of fact, a lot of times we just ignore them altogether. Just James is practically an opponent of stratagems. He really doesn't care for stratagems, and he kind of makes it a point not to use them. So whenever I play just James, I just play without stratagems generally because, meh, I mean, it doesn't really matter to me. I never aped that whole mechanic anyway of, oh, take this blah, 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 command points, I don't care. With sisters, you add on miracle dice and it adds up and it ups the fun with stratagems. There are stratagems to discard miracle dice to bring back a cannonist or increase a hit or save roll. Maybe the answer is to make the game more complex. I would worry if they water stratagems down that it would turn into a lot of bookkeeping with for barely any effect. We also don't get endless command points anymore, so you do need to use the stratagems carefully. I do feel like stratagems are great for us millennials who expect a participation trophy. A lot of them make it so we can't fail or get to roll that two-up save we were, so we aren't sad. Shorehammer has participation trophies, right? <laughs> yes, everybody that participates in Shorehammer gets a championship ring, no matter where you place. That's how we do it. Part of the problem is the player base. If you create 30 psychic powers and the 5 mortal wound ones are the best, then that's all you will see. Remember bitching about invisibility? Same thing for stratagems. GW has like 40 in each book, but everyone uses the same ones. Leroy. P.S. I missed the lore section on brutality at the end of the episode if you have anything to add. Aww. I think, once again, you can only cast one psychic power each time. I mean, each psychic power can only be cast once. So I think that pretty much limits the spam of invisibility, let's say. Yes, invisibility was a pretty powerful one, but what if it was a minus one to hit? Or something like that. I mean, it, it 
could be toned down to be more reasonable. And like I've said many, many times before, Games Workshop is not very good at balance. And ultimately, if you are making six psychic powers, you want to make all of them equally good so that your players go, oh man, I don't know which one to pick. Do I pick one? Do I pick number three? Do I pick number six? Oh my gosh, all these psychic powers are equally good, but they all do different things. How do I want to affect my army or change my strategy so that I can use these powers effectively? And that's the way it should be done. But they don't do that, and we end up getting a bunch of random mortal wounds. And that's that's that. So, um... I don't know. I just think the stratagems and psychic powers are similar. They're both limited in use, so why don't you make them more universal? Also, you mentioned there's 40 stratagems per book and everybody uses the same few. It's because most of them are are very specific to units, and people don't use the same units. So, the 5 out of the 40 that are universal, let's say, like, um, or practically universal, such as Veterans of the Long War, well, of course everyone uses that one because that's the most utilitarian across the board that would get the most use but i feel like they should all be utilitarian and they should all be used across the board you can still only use that stratagem once per phase and most of them are only good for a phase so i still don't see the problem with it at all and you know whatever no i don't currently have any brutality lore to add of course um leroy already knows i've been writing a bunch of uh, short stories i probably have a dozen done something like that and uh, I'll end up making a short story compilation, I think, selling a book that's a bunch of short stories set in in the Brutal Realm. And no, I don't currently right now. I'm feeling extremely swamped with work and all of my weekly obligations and basically work and <laughs> the brutality supplement that's due. And oh man, I just got so much to do. So I'm, I'm feeling a bit swamped right now. But I will end up going, I think I will be going back to those supplements for Brutality where they were um, Lands of the Ether Realm. And I, I made two volumes of that. And ultimately, I think I planned out 12 volumes of it. So it talks all about the lore and the background and the people and the residents and the flora and the fauna and the all about the economy in each region and uh, what it's known for. It's, it's really neat. But I only finished two of them out of the 12 and... Then we did the official release of the game and all that, and it just kind of fell to the wayside because those are free supplements that are still on the Facebook group. So, anyway, I think that's it for... Oh, also, uh, shout out to um, Sean. Sean messaged me, and he said that what I said about Thomas was it's similar to what Leroy said here. Um, my advice to Thomas really hit home for him, and he said that um, it meant a lot to him that to hear that it's not the end of the road and that, you know, he can take a break from the hobby and it doesn't mean that he's done for good, you know, and uh, he has a similar situation where his life has changed quite a bit in recent years and that um, he he just appreciated me. Well, he appreciated Thomas writing in and he appreciated my response. So thank you for contacting me, Sean. I greatly appreciate it. And thank you for contacting me. Leroy Jenkins. Want that or want that not? All right, it's want that or want that not. You know what time it is. You know what we're here to do. I have been holding off on talking about this model for quite some time because I was waiting for it to come out, so I saw the price point for sure. I wasn't relying on leaks or hearsay or whatever. 
This is one of the new releases for the Soul Blade Army. And it's Luca Vi, Mother of Nightmares. And of course, there's a generic person you can also make with it. If you don't know who this is or what this is, what this is is that giant centaur bat demon creature that uh that they released recently. Now, this creature is actually pretty large. It seems to be a bit larger than a demon prince, which is pretty neat. Now, it's also like on a stand and everything, but I mean, even if you stood it just on the ground, it seems a little larger than a demon prince. So, the whole profile of it's pretty huge. And essentially what it is, is it is a very strange amalgamation of two different things. On the top half, the waist up is a... I should say the shoulders up. Sorry, this is confusing. From the shoulders up, it is the waist up... <laughs> of an armored vampire the way you would normally see a vampire in baroque armor and a nice sword and whatever right okay that's cool that's pretty cool then the shoulders down is essentially a big winged uh, creature like a big bat and I don't know how to feel about this, to be honest with you. I've really, really been struggling this whole time. I don't know whether I like this or not. It is... So, if it was just like the vampire half, and she had legs, then I would be like, oh my gosh, 100%, I love it, it's got a really cool look to it, the armor's really neat, whatever. If it was just a new hero that was the shoulders down and had some sort of bat head... I would be like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I really like that. Actually, I would like that more than the regular vampire. I, I get both of those versions. I totally get it. But um, when you when you pen pineapple apple pen them together, um, <laughs> it's, it's weird. Can you imagine this thing flying? Like, just think about it flying. It's laying horizontally like you figure a bat would fly. What's the torso above the shoulders doing this whole time? Is it like flapping in the wind? I don't... It seems very odd. Now, I mean, if you think about it, we're so used to creatures having wings for their shoulders, with the exception of maybe dragons. But airplanes have their wings in the middle of their fuselage. So I guess a creature could have wings in the middle of its torso, but... It just is like a weird cat-dog sort of thing. You remember that cartoon from the 90s, Nickelodeon? A lot of you won't remember that, but cat-dog. Yeah, it's, it's got a very cat-dog feel, or like I said, pen, pineapple, apple pen. And I just don't... I have not really known how to feel about this model ever since they previewed it and all that. I look online, I see a lot of people hating on it. And I also see a lot of people loving it. And to me, if loving it was a 10... And hating it was a one. I've just... I'm in the middle with this weird, confused boner sort of thing. I think that... Have you ever seen anything that the sum of its parts is not as good as the parts individually? You know, it's kind of like you... I can't even think of anything, but you get what I'm saying. It's kind of like you made a, a gold hammer, a solid gold hammer. Well, okay, but you really can't use that for a hammer because it's made of solid gold and that's worth a fortune. You know, it's it's one of those weird things where like, yes, of course, you could use it as a hammer, but why would you because it's made of gold? It's the same thing with this. 
I love the top half. I love the bottom half. But together, I'm like, uh, I, I don't know. So to be honest with you, the marriage of these two halves of this creature kind of kills it for me a little bit. Um, so I would say if 10's love, one is hate, I'm like a four. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm very neutral, but I think I'm just slightly negative to it because I can't imagine that thing flying. It's just far too weird. It's like their, uh, their computer CAD guy that was designing these two models quit in the middle of the project. And you know, that this is all they had was when he was giving them test samples. So they got some other intern to just smash those two together and call it a day. Um, I think what I'm going to do with my Soul Blade army, because I am going to get this model. I, I like this model well enough, so I guess that's a want that. But really, the only reason why I want this is because I have a really neat idea for my Soul Blade army. Somebody had sent a picture, um, not to me, but on Facebook, somebody shared a picture of the bottom half of this creature all painted like red, like wet red, like it's blood. And I thought, oh man, my Soul Blade can be blood magic users. And essentially what it is, is he's, he's right, or she, in this case, she is rising out of this monster because it landed, but she made a suit of armor, a blood suit of armor creature, and she was inside it and made it fly. Like that's, that's kind of cool. So I think I want to do that. If I do end up getting blood knights, uh, I don't think I'm going to actually buy the blood knights. What I'm going to do is buy some cavalry from Night Haunt. And I'm going to paint all the ghostly parts blood. Like they took the skeleton of a horse and they're using blood magic to ride on this horse. I think that could be really cool. So I think that's what I'm going to end up doing. Um, for the time being, we've got two other people in our club that are really interested in Soul Blight. So I'm kind of cool in my jets right now. I'll let them have their fun. Um, it's, it's really no fun with a bunch of people play the same army. So that's uh, James and TJ are both want to do Soul Blight. And TJ mostly because that's the army he's been waiting on for a decade. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what we're going to do. So I am buying this. I did pre-order it, but I'm going to kind of hold off on working on the army too much. And uh, that's it. So it ultimately is a want that for me, but I am I have a what I think is a pretty neat idea, a paint scheme for it. And that's why I am wanting it. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. Well, I guess it's time for Real Talk with the Pimpcron, and today I've got a very, very scary thing to admit to all of you. I am going to be talking about who really runs the wargaming industry, and I am going to turn whistleblower in order to finally shed some light on the subversive and complex industry of miniature wargaming models. Hold on to your seats, kids. I'm about to blow your mind. So, this is going to sound a little hokey. Okay, you're, you're going to think this is crazy, but you just got to bear with me because this is the truth and I'm putting it out there and I'm really putting myself in harm's way to get the truth out there. The Illuminati controls the wargaming industry. Now, I know some of you scoffed, some of you just laughed, but it is the truth. From preventing new Chaos Space Marines models with two wounds, all the way up to preventing the Tyranid Codex from ever doing anything competitively, to editing my articles, the Illuminati controls everything in the wargaming world. But who are they? Well, even though I've been in this for about 10 years, I don't have the clearance to actually know who pulls the strings, 
But what I do have it on good authority is that the wealthiest international bankers are the ones that make sure that space marines keep getting new stuff while all the other armies flounder. They're the ones responsible for the unlimited lieutenant releases and things like that. And it's the European royalty that killed the specialist games, like Battlefleet Gothic and Epic and all of that. Meanwhile... The Yakuza is actually the faction that kept the Sisters of Battle from being updated for all those years. As it turns out, the American Mafia have their hands in the publishing industry, and that's why you'll get an Illumina Realm Lords book, and then six months later get another Illumina Realm Lords book. That's, that's how they keep us down that way. And finally, a coalition of movie directors have squatted the squats. And of course, the media is complicit in this whole operation. Celebrities from all walks of life, from currently popular to one-hit wonders, make up the huge labyrinth of secret bureaucracy that monitors all wargaming trends. For instance, the detachment that I have to submit all of my articles for censoring to is also the ones that are the liaisons for Spiky Bits and all the other major websites. It's headed by none other, get this, than Steve Urkel from Family Matters. He oversees all the ongoings in the department, and his title is actually Supreme Lord Chieftain Urkel. Now, once again, I know you a lot of you are rolling your eyes and things like that, but you might think that all this sounds really weird, and especially Supreme Lord Chieftain Urkel, but they get to name their own positions, and they usually go by their fictional names for some reason. I, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because everyone knows them by their fictional name? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's probably something satanic. But under him is the assistant to the Supreme Lord Chieftain, and that's Mango. Remember Chris Kattan? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to say his, his real name, but Mango from Saturday Night Live. And uh, he's the one who actually has the pleasure of actually reading my articles each week and making sure that I'm, what I'm writing fits their narrative of what they're currently going for. Something like, I don't see any mention of how we haven't updated the Chaos Space Marines to two wounds. You better complain about it and remind people of that anguish. Or sometimes I'll get a note like, um, you need to take out all of this talk about unity and goodwill. Put in more complaining. Um, occasionally I'll have something scribbled at the bottom of my articles like, we're going to switch gears here. Uh, we used to ask you to complain about the release schedule being too slow from GW. Now that GW has sped up their release schedule, we need you to start complaining that it's too fast. Finally, and maybe most bizarre, is the person that I have the most contact with and who is responsible for most of my article ideas is, a guy, is the guy who voiced the Kool-Aid Man in the 1990s commercials. He goes by totally rad adjunct to Unimatrix Awesome. So, Kool-Aid Man. And if you don't say his entire title every time you talk to him, he gets mad. To make things worse, he always has to say, Oh yeah! when you say something. And specifically when you finish saying his name. I'm like, uh, Hey, it's uh, Pimpcron. Is this uh, totally rad adjunct to Unimatrix Awesome Kool-Aid Man? He'll go, Oh yeah! Drives me nuts. You might think that this is a totally cool 90s attitude and that he'd be easy to work with, but that's not the case at all. So I know a lot of you are wondering, why is Wargaming so important? Why would the Illuminati and all these celebrities and this huge network of people care about Wargaming? So, well, whether you know it or not, learning things like when to assault into cover and when not to is a pretty good skill to develop. Target priority, cover saves, and other aspects of the game will teach us military skills that terrify the powers that be. So, 
they have figured out that the best way to keep us down is to keep us at each other's throats, lest we rise up and create a better world. Doesn't that make sense? Think about it for a second. The premium prices we pay for this game helps pay for giant secret laser batteries and portals to other realms and funding to keep Bigfoot under wraps. It takes a ton of money to pay off all those Bigfoots and keep them from coming forward. So while we... <laughs> So while all of us stay busy complaining about high prices, right, for miniatures, the elites enjoy zero-G lingerie parties and being in contact with aliens, exchanging brownie recipes from aliens from Pluto, and just generally living it up. They prevent the Chaos Space Marines uh, update and other things like that because they enjoy our misery. They are the same ones who used to put entire units into codexes that didn't have any models to go with them. Then they forced people to make their own models, but that was all just an attempt to make us miserable. When they realized that people actually enjoyed kitbashing models and making their own, you see that they stopped doing that, right? They're also the ones that are responsible for all these limited runs on these really desired box sets like Curse City. They're the ones that do this. So they want to make sure that most people don't get one, right? And then, when most people have bought these from scalpers at really, really high prices and it makes them angry, then they release the box again in a smaller set, or they make another print run of it, and then all those people that were angry because they didn't get it, and then they got it, but they were angry because they paid higher prices, are now angry a third time, believe it or not, because now it's for a cheaper price. So, I hope, I hope all this makes sense to you, because um, it is the truth, and I've lived it, and I bear the shame of being uh, complicit in this whole horrible machine, and things like that. So, I'm, I feel bad, and I feel like it's just time to come clean. I don't want to, you know, pass away or anything, and have this hanging over my, my head. So, I know, I'm sure some of you are going to be asking, what's life like working with the Illuminati? Well, as a 40k blogger, it's not too bad. I just have to be sure to include plenty of negativity in each article to keep the general spirit of the people down. And otherwise, they let me have free reign, to be honest with you. The Kool-Aid guy, eh, he gives me the topic I have to talk about each week, which is dependent on the cycles of the moon and the alignment of the stars and... All of that stuff. I th they probably consult Satan. I don't know exactly the inner workings of it, but I know a lot of it has to do with astrology. Um, I get I get actually bi-weekly palm readings. I don't know what that has to do with the the articles, but that's that's basically it. Um, you would not believe you would not believe the number of essential oils they make me drink each day. Like it's it's not even funny. And the crystals, the rare earth crystals, don't even get me started. I carry around, I don't know, about a quarter pound of various crystals in my pocket every day to, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know what it's for, but they make me do it. So they, they say it does something. So the uh, adjunct to uh, Unimatrix, awesome, Kool-Aid man, and I, he's not here right now. I don't have to say his whole title. Give me a break. But he gives me the ideas each week. And once I get approval from Mango, we meet on a wooded hill and we're dressed in these black robes and we have to meet exactly at midnight. We light some candles, we sacrifice a miniature to the dark gods for a blessing, and then it gets sent to the editors of the website for posting. So, 
Other than that, I mean, it's like every ordinary job. Deadlines, contract killings, Equinox orgies, budget meetings, occasional demon possession of a co-worker, etc., etc., etc. You know how it is. It's typical office life. I can only assume that I'll go missing as soon as this episode airs. So, it's been really fun, guys. And if you see a Pimcron article or a podcast or a YouTube video posted next week, it can only be because they replaced me with a more obedient clone. But at least the truth got out there. And uh, I guess that's it for this week. Thank you, as always, to all of my Patreon sponsors and to GameMat.eu for supporting the show. I greatly appreciate it, and thank you for listening. <laughs>